0: It comes like a fleeting memory. Whatever you, need, you grab just turns just to dust. dust. Like eye contact with strangers when you're It's a dream that you do feel. A passing note of the song. A glimpse of the ship being seen. Think you saw it, saw it, Think you see it, you see it. All right. We are. As we always do. Yeah. Back to the shores. Cheers. To the Cheers. shores.
1: Oh, there's one thing I need to tell you. Oh, tell me. I fixed my toilet.
0: Oh wow! I'm
1: doing <laughs> this on air? <laughs> yeah, I am. how How long uh, had that task needed uh, at doing? At least a year and a half, <laughs> uh, maybe longer. But basically, I probably paid plumbers two thousand, three thousand dollars over the last year and a half to fix this thing. Oh, really? Oh yeah. Like I've they came out once to at least three times. Two I can say for sure to snake the whole thing, you know, and each time they never fixed it, and it just it just baffled me, and so I was like, oh it's like I can replace. so I just went and bought a new toilet and and put it in nice well it's stupid because it's like I know I can do those things, right. but it's just sort of like you just don't want to I just don't want to, yeah, so <clears throat> did that fix the problem? yeah, it's fixed. And you put it in yourself uh-huh. with that little wax ring. Yeah. The wax yeah. ring. It's gotten a lot better than it had, than it was all that stuff. When I first started doing those kind of things, it would seem like it was a lot messier, but this was like so easy. Turn me down slightly. Yeah. Turn me down. Now I got to turn. Oh, hold on. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. And yeah, now I can't hear me at all. There we go.
0: Okay. Hello. I'm back. <clears throat> um, so I thought that the toilet wasn't fixed because you just weren't doing anything about it.
1: Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's partly true because it's right, like I, I, right. I was always like, you know what? I can just take this toilet off and put
0: another one in there. And uh, but you just didn't want to do that.
1: I just didn't want to do
0: yeah. it. Yeah. So how does it feel now to have accomplished? this oh, task that's been weighing on you for a year and a half. <laughs> it's super
1: great, but it's also annoying because we do this podcast and then there's all these episodes where we talk about stupid shit like this, you know, like the dripping faucets, like what are your dripping faucets? Yeah. And I remember when we had that episode, the first things in my head is the toilet. It's my dripping faucets. Like right. we well, just fix the faucet. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> it's just going to keep dripping, you know, that's like It's not going away, (laughs) slowly murdering your (laughs) psyche. Totally. But I also think the, the start of this year, for some reason, I've, I've my fixing a lot of those dripping faucets. Was it you that came with the dripping faucet thing? That was from Zen and the art of motorcycle maintenance. Oh yeah. Maybe, maybe give a little, do you remember the,
0: yeah, it was an analogy he was using in that book talking about um, this friend of his, these, this man and woman mm. um, who every time he would go over to their house, he would notice this, that their like kitchen sink faucet was leaking mm-hmm. pretty slowly, you know, just dripping. And he would ask them about it. Like, why don't you fix that? And the response was something like, you know, well, it's expensive or time consuming, or I don't know how, or, you know, it's not that big of an annoyance, mm-hmm. but he sort of, <clears throat> I, I don't know if he, if now these are his words or mine, it's been so long since I've read that book, but I think those sorts of things can those small little annoyances that you don't want to take care of can end up fracturing your relationships. Like mm. the man and the woman who sit there listening to the leaky faucet all the time, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's putting pressure making them just ever so slightly annoyed. And maybe one time that annoyance breaks out and they get into a massive fight and they get divorced. You know, it's like if they just fixed the faucet, maybe they wouldn't have been pushed to that point. Mm. Um, so all those things that are eating at you, that, you know, you need to take care of, this is my takeaway from it, that they're having much more of an effect on you than you're allowing, than you're admitting to yourself. Hmm. And so you can actually make a pretty big positive change in your life by simply taking care of the things that need taken care of. And most of them, you know, we all know this, it's like that, uh, like common kind of meme, like finally took care of that task. I'd been putting off for two months. It took me 10 minutes. Yeah. Totally. You know? uh-huh. So you spent 10 minutes <clears throat> in some sort of cognitive dissonance or some sort of stress about this thing you had to do and you relieved it in 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. And imagine if you had just relieved it the first time you noticed it and then you wouldn't have spent two months in that stressful state. Mm-hmm. And if you've got 10 or 20 of those things in your life, just, imagine how much better you would feel and how much more effective and relaxed you'd be if you just took care of them. Yeah. So thanks. That episode like is ringing in my ears for a year and a half or however that episode <laughs> came out yeah. that
1: we did that. It's super, super
0: annoying. You finally got, got it resolved. Well, <laughs> well congratulations.
1: The, the joy of seeing a turd flirt flush on the first time. Oh is my like, gosh. <laughs> It's like amazing. This
0: is a low point this in our podcast.
1: <laughs> you know, it's like, instead of four or five times, it's like, yeah, it's it's, it's it's as crude as that sounds, it's actually like, wow, that's amazing. Look at that. <laughs> <laughs> well, good job. I'm proud of you. Thanks. Well, I, it's interesting. It, I think it stemmed from like this this uh, new year, I kind of have a, a little section in my day where I take 15 minutes to do something I don't want to do. And I have an hour s- scheduled out for it, but I will only do 15 minutes. And then if I get frustrated, I just
0: stop. <laughs> so 15 minutes is a requirement, mm-hmm. but you've scheduled more time in case that becomes productive and you want to continue. Totally. And I think that's what
1: I think doing some of those was what <laughs> was what got yeah. me to do my toilet.
0: <laughs> so I feel very accomplished by <laughs> talk, talk about that for a minute, because you, you have, created a daily schedule for yourself. Yeah. So, um, we talked about this, I think about
1: a year ago, I I had done this and then I I kind of overscheduled my time too strenuously and kind of got away from it. Mm. Um, so I'm kind of, I'm kind of bringing it back, but allowing a little bit more leeway. Um, so I kind of my Monday through Friday and, you know, uh, my work schedule as well as my morning routine and evening routine. I've kind of, put some parameters on like what I want to accomplish. Hmm. And so I broke my business down into four sections. Um, And so uh, actually six, but four technically. And so I've, I've created an hour and a half slots throughout the whole week to just focus on one of those elements, maybe two of them, like one in the morning, one in the afternoon, or, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like, uh, because those are the things I, I know I want to spend time on. And I'm kind of one to, to be very sporadic. I love exploring lots of different things all the time. Um, but I, I I found right now I need to find what I need to give priority and spend time on that, Mm -hmm. whether it's productive or not. It's not the point. It's that it's like these things are, these are things that I value and I want to see improve. And so I'll at least spend some some sections are an hour to an hour and a half on these specific things that are, that I need to focus on anyways. But then I have like, you know, you know, personal writing time or personal time for 30 minutes where I might do writing or research something or Twitter or or whatever it might be.
0: Um, Your comment just a minute ago about whether, you know, whether or not the time you spent was productive is, not relevant Mm -hmm. basically this reminds me of our conversation about practice
1: oh yes i think this is part of what's motivating (laughs) it's this damn podcast (laughs) (laughs)
0: well it's like you're practicing the things you want to do you're setting aside time to do something with that category whether it's business or personal time or Mm. doing things i love that like scheduling (coughs) time to do things you don't want to do it's like you're setting aside time to practice Mm. and i think that's that's what we laid out is that practice is intentionally looking at the parts that you're insufficient in, mm. which you don't, don't like doing. Mm-hmm. So you do it as a matter of, um, discipline. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I love this discipline of scheduling your time out. Well, it's also forcing you to articulate the things that you want to improve and the things that you want to accomplish, mm-hmm. which is oftentimes the, well, it's like the first step. Sometimes we don't even want to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's so many things with it, like I
1: I want to ignore and just let persist, you know, and, um, you know, this is just, this is just something that it's an experiment that I'm doing, you know, for the next three months and mm-hmm. see where it goes. You know, it's like, maybe, maybe it changes after that, but I feel like I can do anything for three months and then let it go. Yeah. That's really awesome. It goes, you know, so yeah, but it's, uh, you know even like you know in my morning time like you know there's a certain part that i use for reading you know so i kind of like personal growth uh business growth type thing and then i have a time like 15 20 minutes for trading go through all my trades mm-hmm. and see what see what's going on and stuff and you know shores of ignorance has a slot on there you know a little 30 minute window every That's day. awesome. Uh, which caused me to get us a bank account and like, you know, so yeah, <laughs> you know, it's like all the things register could, as an entity. <laughs> yeah. We keep putting off and stuff. So, right. Uh, or I keep putting off that
0: side. That's on do my you own. find that accomplishing tasks e- no matter how small they are? And especially if they're ones that you've been putting off and don't want to do feels really good and like empowers you. I think f- Yeah. So I think the answer to your question is yes.
1: But I I think for me, it's more, this is more about me helping, helping me to hone what I value and what I think is important Hmm. because I'm not going to schedule something that I don't think is important or valuable or hours that I value. So for me, I think it might be more, it, it orients me to the things that I, I actually want to spend time on that sometimes I might get distracted from. Mm. And, and then the accomplishing of it is like, is, is very satisfying, but it's more of the, I so I think I, I have a, I, I always have to keep that in the forefront of my mind. It's like, what do you, what do you value? What, where do you want to end up and what steps are you taking to do that, to, to mm-hmm. be there? Cause I think I could just meander around on topic to topic and right. just read whatever book or you know entertain myself that way almost.
0: Yeah, you your curiosity and interest is big enough that you could spend all your time just pursuing mm-hmm. its whims. Mm-hmm. But that's that's not really making the most of it at all. Yeah, you know you need to give it some definition and some direction, and say here's where that curiosity and interest should be pointed mm-hmm. even just generally. Yeah.
1: Yeah. There might be like a, uh, uh, there might be an overkill in that area too, because there's some, there's so many times you need to be fanciful and mm-hmm. whin- whimsical.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, it's that, that concept of divergence and convergence. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you need to simply generate ideas It's the same with your interest. Sometimes you need to let it wander to discover Mm. what you're interested in. Totally. But sometimes once you've identified it, then you've got to converge into focus.
1: Well, I'll have to say what the last, uh, three weeks or whatever that I've been doing this, um, it's kind of woken me up to some things I've lost, you know, and one of those is serving people, Mm. You know, sometimes, especially in a business, you're always looking at your P&Ls and, and all the things that make a business run that are super important you need to do. And I've just kind of remembered a little bit more of like, oh, wow, I really love people. I love creating spaces for people to be in. Mm-hmm. But it hasn't been as much of a, I mean, I think COVID kind of kicked the shit out of me. So, <laughs> so I kind of, I think I'm kind of rediscovering some of the, the loves that. You know, that was one question. Like right before we started, I was kind of wanted to ask you too. Is is what do you want to accomplish, and what are we doing and moving forward too? Uh, you know, I think our podcast has been one of those things that you and I started because we wanted to learn to kind of speak more clearly and to explore our thoughts and and know what we're thinking. Right, and doing that more publicly
0: kind of brings a little bit more accountability and and. and Well, it's interesting. I remember when we sat down, it was right before COVID happened. Mm -hmm. It was at the end of 2019 and we had a meeting about the podcast Mm -hmm. where we tried to lay out our goals and what we wanted to do. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And we evoked one of our favorite phrases, pick something that you could do that you would do. (laughs) And and what we landed on was let's just record every week. Mm -hmm. That's our goal. And I think we've actually done a really good job at that. We've hit it. And maybe it is time to establish new goals. Mm -hmm. Um,
1: Well, I think you and I've kind of, I think we're kind of in that space where we've wanted to, you know, we just made Shores of Ignorance an LLC and a Patreon and we're kind of working on some things to kind of, yeah, maybe make this a little bit maybe push us out a little bit more that it's not just about you and me. Cause I mean, really the podcast has been about you and me <laughs> and just talking, you right, know, right. uh,
0: just been good for you and me. <laughs> I know it's,
1: it's fantastic. But I think we've, we've, we've had a desire to have a, a bigger dialogue with people and we've been thinking about right where that will go yeah, and how we can maybe include people, whether it be Q and A's or, you know, worldwide tours or, <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah. I don't know. I mean, what
1: have you, I mean, what are you, what are you thinking about right now? I mean, I don't know if you want to talk about all well, the recent thought, stuff. That you're <laughs> yeah.
0: I had a thought just a moment ago while we were talking and now it's going to sound like a non sequitur, I think, but I, maybe it has to do with um, you scheduling your time and saying, I'm going to give it three months. And, but I've observed, I think lately I've noticed that there are, there are cycles to things. Mm. So like, like our conversation about practice, if you're practicing at something, there's going to be cycles. There's going to be times when you feel horrible at it. Mm -hmm. And then there's going to be times when you feel like you're really nailing it. You're knocking it out of the park, Mm -hmm. but it's the same with other things too. I mean, I was thinking about, you know, generally throughout the week, um, I make a lot of notes and bookmark things, you know, things that I want to talk about on the podcast or things that I want to just think more about in general or things that I'm thinking about. And, um, generally you and I will sit down before we record and kind of go through some of the notes that we've taken throughout the week and try to decide what do we, you know, what's going on? What do we want to talk about in the last couple of weeks? I've had nothing Hmm. just didn't write anything down. And I was tempted to sort of like berate myself about that but I think that there are just cycles. Like there are cycles Mm -hmm. that are generative and there are cycles that are more restful. Maybe Mm -hmm. it's like that with my mental clarity sometimes too. Like sometimes I feel really sharp and really observant and really on it. And other times I don't, I feel a little bit more just kind of like, um, my mind doesn't seem to be quite as active. Mm. And I think that there's cycles and I think you kind of have to respect those mm-hmm. and try to use the times maybe where the cycle is off or not the way that you want it to figure out what you need to learn from that. Mm. And then cycles where it's on will direct it towards something productive that you want to do. Yeah. You know. which I, It makes a lot of sense to me. I think even with our podcast over the last four
1: years I've been doing this is is I've noticed that there's times whenever you really carry it, you know. And there's times that I really carry it. Mm-hmm. And there's times when we're both on, you know, right. and there, well, it's, it's, very rare that we're both off. Although it, right. it, it, I think sometimes it comes out, you know, I can maybe think of maybe a hand, maybe two or three episodes where I could maybe say that was true. We were both off, you know? Um, you know, I also think of that in, in marriage and with kids is, you know, usually Allison or I have it together you know and sometimes we have it together together yeah (laughs) but I think that's the part of like even parenting you know why having a husband and a wife in the room you know in the same house is like helpful because it's like you're not always going to be hitting on all cylinders right it's nice to have someone that maybe pick up the slack for it might be it might even be a year or two you know it's like or a day or two or a week or a month or something like that you know it's it's but you need you need that around you to kind of help balance you whenever you're, you are off or right. you kind of need have a little bit more of a quiet time.
0: <laughs> yeah. So I like your idea of like giving it three months with your scheduling mm. your time, because you might get to the end of that three months and say, I'm really kicking ass. This is great. Mm-hmm. And you want to extend it. Or you might feel like, Oh, this is, this is too tyrannical and mm-hmm. I'm not, I, I'm not functioning great. Yeah. And so, like, having periods where you sort of evaluate. I think it's good to set set a disciplined set of goals and and set a practice schedule, essentially, and then mm-hmm. to adhere to it, even if it's hard, mm-hmm. but then set times to evaluate. Like, yeah. should this continue or does it need tweaking? That's sort of, like, the balance of <clears throat> conservatism and liberalism, isn't mm-hmm. it? Like... Mm-hmm you need to be conservative in that I'm going to set a plan and I'm going to stick to it, but then you need to be liberal in that you've got to reevaluate that, Mm -hmm. you know, not every day that's too much. Yeah. But doing it never is just as bad. Mm -hmm. So,
1: yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah, definitely. And even I, I could even imagine that, and even as I've gone through this within three weeks, I've kind of morphed it a little bit, and and you know, if usually my my meetings are more Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday afternoons, mm-hmm. and but sometimes you just can't, you have to have that meeting on Monday or Tuesday, or you know, that's out of the schedule. So, but it's been fun because it's like, okay, where do I put this? <laughs> where do I put this little block that I value? Mm-hmm. And so I have to find a place to put it somewhere, and so it's it's been kind of fun to. To just be able to acknowledge that this is something I want to accomplish. Yeah.
0: <clears throat> that's but, good. That, that's inspiring. Mm-hmm. It's encouraging to me. Because I there are things that I want to accomplish that I'm not accomplishing. Mm-hmm. And the first step would probably be to say, well, how could I accomplish it? And then set aside some time to do it. Yeah.
1: But, but it's also got me thinking about even more deeply, like what do I want to accomplish? You know, there's a certain part that I would love to be able to make money to be able to invest in other companies and people in the future. Right. Um, you know, well, there's certain steps that you, I need to take in order to do that now. So that Mm -hmm. in five to 10 to 20 years from now I can, I can play that role with other people. Um, and then just, just thinking about, you know, there's just one idea of, if you're not giving and helping people now, no matter what your economic status is or social status, what makes you think when you have everything that you're going to be that person, Mm -hmm. you know? And and basically the answer to that is you're not right. It's like, if you're not doing something with the little that you have now, when you have the more, you're still not going to do it. Right. And that's sort of an axiom that I don't see. I can't falsify. Mm. I mean, I, again, I think you can have like major, uh, major moments that might shift you in the future in that, but usually, just take something very tragic, uh, anyways, from the books and the, you know, people I've seen and, and know and stuff that it does seem like if you don't practice these little things now, you're not going to do it when everything's good. Hmm.
0: Can we put some examples to that? Because I, that okay. seems true to me. It also seems true to me that there's nothing that you could want to do that you can't do to some degree now. Mm-hmm. It isn't like, hmm. Yeah. I mean, I guess your example of like giving, is that the example you were giving? Yeah, giving. Giving, yeah. Or savings or investing. <laughs> right. I don't. So you might say I don't have enough money to give or save and invest. I'm mm-hmm. going to wait until I have more money. Mm-hmm. But that's that's the m- mistake because no matter how much money you have, you have the ability to do those things mm-hmm. on a much smaller scale. And you might dismiss it and say, "Well, that's it. It's, it's irrelevant." Because I could say, "Well, you could invest a penny a day. Mm-hmm. You can find a penny on the sidewalk. <laughs> you know." And you're like, Oh, well that's meaningless. Well, it's the thing that you say you want to do. Mm -hmm. So why wouldn't you be doing it if you want to be doing it? Yeah. So maybe that's the, the, that's betraying your thinking there that if I'm not doing it because I don't feel like I have the means to do it, well, maybe I don't really want to do it. Hmm. I think that's what it really says. I mean, yeah. uh,
1: I mean, it's kind of, Humbling to, to, to definitely acknowledge that in myself. I think there's a lot of things I say I want, but I don't, I don't, uh, I don't walk that walk, you know, mm. or you know, I might talk the talk, but I don't walk the walk, you know? Yeah. Uh, so like I kind of want to bring those worlds together and it, it's, well, I don't know. I was about to bring in the Sam Harris castle thing we were talking about before, but, but we do kind of build, we build these worlds around us and, um, you know, I guess, I guess what I'm thinking of is that you kind of build a sort of logic structure on why you're not doing something or why you would do it in the future. And, right. and, you know, and you, you keep moving into the future. Well, you never have enough, you know, and it's like, what is that? What is that amount that, that. It's like, you
0: don't know what that is. Yeah. This is related to, we've talked about it before and I tried to give it an analogy, but the idea of there's a, there's a idea a link between what is true and this question of what you want, because it seems to me that both truth and desire are not states of being. They are, drivers of action of bringing things into being. So I think I gave the, the analogy of, um, well, the analogy of Ron works perfectly well. If I say that I want to save, but I'm not saving. Mm-hmm. Do I really want to save? Mm. Maybe it's that I don't want to save, but I'm, I'm telling myself and you that I want to save because I want to be the kind of person that saves, mm. you know, projecting something about myself that I want to believe to be true, but is it true? And can you say that it's true if I'm not doing it? Hmm. You know, I have said for a long time that one of the goals that I want to accomplish in my life is to own a plane and Hmm. be a pilot, but I've taken no steps toward that. So do I really want that? Hmm. Or is that just some sort of childhood fantasy or some projection of myself that I'm infatuated with? Oh, fascinating.
1: So it's like you either either come to terms and let that thing die Mm -hmm. or
0: take a step towards... Or wake up and start taking steps toward it. Mm -hmm. And that's a good example because that would be a very expensive hobby. Mm -hmm. And I currently could not afford that. But what I could be doing is... Learning about what it takes to get a pilot's license, mm-hmm. learning about how to maintain an airplane, learning about you know, there's all there's no, lim, no there's no shortage of things I could be doing mm-hmm. to be moving toward that, yeah you know, and I would just have to be waiting in some regard to get to a point where I had the amount of money necessary to enact it but i mean that's i'm I'm really interested in that question, like can you truly say? That you want something if you're not doing anything about it. And I I I'm tempted to say no, you can't. Mm-hmm. And what would it be like if you were to cut those things out of your thinking? Mm. Like if I notice that I'm wanting something but not doing anything about it, either start doing something about it or stop saying that you want it mm. and and come to terms with that. Yeah, yeah. Like you said, cut it and let it die. Mm-hmm.
1: Well it does make sense. It's like we do probably need to like let some things go and and uh and other things to uh you know let flourish and and be something more, you know. But if we don't give if we don't give air to the things that we want to grow, then they're not gonna grow if, or water them or whatever however you want to say it.
0: Yeah. <clears throat> uh let's pause for a second.
1: Yep. Okay. Our first
0: edit. (laughs) Gap B. My daughters just came by to (laughs) pick up some things they left here. So (laughs) I guess it's not an edit. It's more of a pause that we just did. It was a pause. Yeah. Right. right. I could have just carried the conversation the whole time. You've tried that before. (laughs) I'm not good at it. Um, Well, yeah. The idea of resolving your desires, Mm -hmm. which is to either let them go or fulfill them. Like, wouldn't that make you a person if a person was good at that and did that well wouldn't you say that that was a true person that person's being true I think that 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 that's a very inspiring idea
1: well I think you do see some people who hold on to a desire and don't take a step at it step out to it it kind of eats at them Mm -hmm. and they almost it almost becomes more of they're a failure because they're measuring themselves against something that they never did. Yeah, and it was either like it almost makes things makes you think of like, uh, stock uh, trading stocks or crypto. You know, there's this point where if you're shorting or longing a stock and and you know you should get out of the stock <laughs> and just like take your losses so you can move on and and reinvest the the bit that you do have into things that are profitable but you just hold on just thinking maybe it's going to take a turn next week. It'll take right. a turn. Right. And you just sit there for years and you're, you bought in at, you know, 120 and now it's at 30 and
0: you're like, well, it's, it's going to come back soon. <laughs> it seems to me like the same sort of error or sin as hmm. hoarding.
1: Hmm.
0: Interesting. How, how do you mean? Well, so, money has no value if it has no velocity. Oh, okay. So it does, it makes literally no difference. If I, if I accumulate large sums of money, but never spend any of it, Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter. Right. Mm -hmm. If everyone in the world accumulates money, but then never spends it, it has no value. Mm. There's nothing. Everyone has nothing. You have to spend it before it has value. Mm. Um, it's like it's like that with hoarding P- people who hoard things they fill their house with things usually the outside world looking in would say their house is full of junk and trash hmm. that's obviously not how they feel about it but it's not it's it's not doing any action it, it isn't it doesn't have any value hmm. you know it might have some personal value to them but even to them they're not treating it as if it has value because they're you know like I can't remember if it's in this neighborhood that I live in now or a previous one, but there was a a house where, um, I ended up having a conversation with the, I think it's an old man, his, uh, one of his kids, I think he died and, or maybe he was still alive. I don't remember. I never saw him. He never came out of the house. Um, but at some point I noticed that there were probably several hundred boxes Hmm. filling the backyard And then draped with tarps so that they would be, you know, I guess protected from water and the rain. And the son told me that they went over and his house was, you couldn't even move around in it because it was so full of stuff. And so they convinced him to let them put some of his stuff in these boxes and put it out there. I think, well, that stuff doesn't have any value because it's sitting in a box, Hmm. you know, it's the same, I think, with maybe your, maybe it is the same with wealth and the velocity of money, but maybe it's also the same with your own desires. Hmm. Like if you're not doing anything with them, are you, you're just hoarding them and, and they're basically irrelevant,
1: which basically is,
0: valueless. They're basically garbage. Which is interesting because there's a difference between hoarding and collecting right because and and you have two completely different images in your mind mm-hmm. when you hear those two different words yeah cuz
1: collecting there's a value and there's a certain uh care that's taken to those things right. that you're you're collecting right you might polish them i might give you joy to pull out your, those coins or whatever and polish them and right. and put them back in like there's a there's a you take care of those things that you're collecting right. hoarding kind of jumps the <laughs> jumps the river and you're you're into this place where it's not about the things it's
0: about collect about more of whatever that might be have you heard about these places um well i think there was oh what was that movie where they could control time it came out a couple of years ago with adam sandler <laughs> no it was not hot tub time machine <laughs> no, it was a, he had a
1: remote control that he could fast forward he couldn't reverse oh, but he right.
0: could fast forward yeah um that's not it though <laughs> no that's definitely not it wasn't morgan freeman the guy that gave him the remote control uh, yeah yeah morgan freeman's amazing oh gosh i'm blanking it was kind of a really trippy movie but one of the elements in the movie was that they were going to break into this secure facility and steal this piece of art, I think. Mm -hmm. But there are these high security facilities where if you want to deal in (coughs) or purchase, (coughs) excuse me, fine art, you can purchase it and put it in this facility. And it's basically a storage unit, right? But it has all kinds of like fire protection and Mm -hmm. theft protection and all because that's holding millions and millions of dollars worth of art. Yeah. But it seems when you think about that, I mean, it's not like they're hung on a wall. Mm -hmm. They're just put in storage and to take something that has great value and to simply put it in storage. There's something about that that seems egregious Hmm. because you're taking something that does have value. It's so much value that only the ultra rich can afford to acquire it, which means, especially with art, it's like, shouldn't it be hung? Shouldn't it be seen, put in a gallery, put in a museum? Mm-hmm. That feels a bit like uh high class hoarding, you know? <laughs> uh-huh. Whereas you really want a collection, even if it, if access to it is super limited, you want, you want it to be shown. Mm-hmm. Just like you want, you know, if you, your example of the coins, like you take them out and you polish them, you take care of them.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I just think of like, when we're talking about this, uh, my mom had like 300 pairs of shoes and we just moved her to Houston and mm-hmm. we had to get rid of it. It's like, you're not, you don't ever wear them. You know, it's, and that's at some point there's no, that's so it, many shoes. <laughs> no, I don't know. if It was probably, it was probably 300 <laughs> pairs, but, uh, you know, if you don't, if you're not wearing it, then what value does it have? Is it just, does it give you comfort to just know that they're there and it's the possibility?
0: Yeah. Well, you could say, well, she collects shoes. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how she treated her shoes, but it's like, I would imagine that if I went into her closet, let's say, and they were, you know, strewn about or in boxes Mm -hmm. piled up, I would say, this is not a collection. You have a problem. Mm Mm-hmm. Whereas if I went in and saw this massive walk-in closet with shelves and lighting Lighting. (laughs) and, you know, the shoes neatly arranged and on display, I would be like, I mean, weird hobby, but I, okay, that's your thing. You know, Mm -hmm. I've done some people
1: that that do collect shoes and they're like, you know, Jordan's 96 and you know, all the different, you know, and they can tell you about them, explain them. And you see, there's a certain joy Mm -hmm. in like, Finding them and, and right. taking care of them, and so th- I think there is that there is that fine line between collecting and hoarding, and sometimes yeah. you, you might jump over the <laughs> the river. And you don't know which right. side you're on. Yeah. So
0: this goes back to the idea the the, the necessary component of action mm. in truth, and in, even in desire. Act. Out your desires otherwise what are they oh, fantasies yeah
1: you just got me thinking about it. there's so many businesses i've wanted to start in the in the past mm-hmm. and they're they're distracting almost you know if you don't if you don't know what you're what you're fo- what you're supposed to be focusing on is you know and again i think I've i've gone down a lot of these roads and and there's something about Letting certain things die, like if you keep kind of holding on to something that's taking up space that something else could could be occupying,
0: right? <clears throat> right. Hmm. Well, that's another fascinating, deep idea. Is that well, the idea of death and rebirth? Hmm. Things have to die; it's a part of life, and perhaps they get reborn. You know, perhaps you can't work on every idea that you have, Mm. or maybe you shouldn't because it would be too chaotic and nothing would thrive. But perhaps you adopt a method of, you know, you have a journal specific to interesting ideas, you know, it's Mm -hmm. cold storage for these things. I'm going to write it down and then stop spending my mental cycles on it Mm -hmm. so that I can focus on what really needs attention. And then once you've done that, you might open up some space in your, Life, You might say, oh, I'm, I've got this space now. What could I mm-hmm. fill that with? Oh, I've got this entire book of ideas. And you re- give new birth to one of them.
1: You know, it's interesting because there's also sort of like a, a religious aspect to this. This is sort of like dying to your old self and right. and new self. Uh, and again, you see this in a lot of rituals and in a lot of different religions. You know, I, I probably speak this Christian more specifically, but... There's this sort of acknowledgement that how I how I understand how I lived life before is now dead. It's gone. That's the old self that died, and here's a new life that I'm moving into, and it's something new and different. And you're giving yourself to something, a higher goal, a higher mm-hmm. purpose. Um. So there, there is that part that I, I just see that's sort of natural. That there's some things that we're we hold on to that that do need to die, you yeah. know, that need to go away. And sometimes you don't want to let those things go. Yeah. And it's easier to be in the comfort of what you
0: know than to go into the unknown. Hmm. And I say this all the time, but the, the word decision means to slay. Hmm. I think like the, the root of that word. <clears throat> so the idea that you make a decision, you reduce the options to one hmm. by way of death. And then now you don't have a decision to make anymore. And it isn't that you leave the others on the table. No, it's that they they die. I really hate that, honestly. Do you hate it?
1: Because it's true. Because it's true. <laughs> yeah. Because, like, I love ideas. I love exploring options. And, like, the, the you and I were on a Twitter thread. It was just you and I, but <laughs> <laughs> this divergence and convergence. Yeah. And this guy was making this point that, you know, only spending time on quality things. And it's like, I, I agreed with the sentiment of it, but at the same time, sometimes you have to spend lots of hours of pointless wandering in order to get to what you value and, and something that has quality. And you can, and you show this little chart of divergence and convergence. Mm-hmm. And it kind of, I felt that kind of put that more succinctly.
0: Yeah. And the, the subtext was divergence is when you generate choices Mm. and convergence is when you make choices and slay the ones that, right. mm -hmm. That, that don't make the cut. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think it's really important. And the idea of death is also really important. And I think we tend to think of death as some sort of permanent state. Mm. And I, (laughs) I, I think in the analogy and the way that we're using it to slay, to die, the things in you that need to die, that isn't, dis- there isn't permanence in that. Mm-hmm. A decision kills options, but there isn't permanence in it. There should, you should think about it that way. There should be permanence in the way that you think about it. Like the decisions made, this is, this is the direction that we're going. This is what we're doing. That isn't to say that those things can't be reevaluated. You know, it's like writing ideas down in a book because you know that you don't have the time or bandwidth. Okay, so let it go. So let's let's take the example of my desire for uh, aviation. If I decide, okay, that's not what I want, that doesn't mean that I, that can't be revisited. Mm-hmm. I might just accept that. Well, this is not the time in my life, right? And I want it, but maybe it's like. 20th on my list of priorities mm-hmm. so it's it's sort of an interest you know it's an interest i had when i was a kid but i might just decide no yeah that doesn't mean it's dead you know i might wake up when i'm 60 and be like well, i don't have shit to do <laughs> just sold my fourth company and uh, awesome so and I, maybe i resurrect it. you resurrect that idea
1: mm-hmm.
0: you resurrect that desire but putting it away and then coming back to it is much better putting it to death and then resurrecting it is much better than keeping it on life support all those years it's almost like the idea of the leaky faucet mm-hmm. it's taking cognitive cycles from you that could be spent elsewhere mm. and you have to decide how to spend them
1: yeah.
0: it isn't great to always just let your mind do what it wants to do. You, you have a part of you that sits over the mind that directs it Hmm. and says, here's what we're doing. And here's what we're going to spend our power on our cognitive power on, Hmm. which is, that's a fascinating idea. Yeah. Like there is a part of you that can observe yourself. Mm
1: hmm. Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of, I feel like you kind of stirred up a whole bunch of different, different points here because the, the, again, you know, why did, why would you again take the, the air, the flying or something like that? Mm-hmm. You know, why would you let that die? It's because something is more important, right? But you're, you're also consciously sort of slaying that maybe for now, maybe forever. But at some point that, 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 well, will obviously possibly move up in that sort of what you value higher and higher where it becomes something that is possible. Right. But it does seem like you do have to be able to slay certain things in order to focus on, you know, other, th- other things. Uh, you know, <laughs> well, there's something that, again, one of those things, when you hear yourself say things, and you have to acknowledge that that's something that you value. You know, one thing, one of those things is like, is that, <clears throat> you know, like my wife and my kids are my two biggest investments and, and then I say those things, but then sometimes I have to question myself, is that true? Hmm. The, am I acting as if it's true? Right. And sometimes I have to say like, no, I'm not acting as if it's true. Yeah. Well, what's, what's taking that space. And Mm -hmm. so you, you have to kind of do this like, like internal sort of evaluation of like, well, what is taking the space of
0: the things that I think I value? Um, Hmm. so I think that's an interesting statement the things that I think I value because mm-hmm. there are a list of things that you do think you value. Mm-hmm. That doesn't necessarily mean that you do. Yeah. Your actions tell you what you actually value. Right. It's like, if I want to go
1: out and get drunk every night and, you know, and not take care of my kids or something like that, but I tell you that I value my kids over everything else. Mm-hmm.
0: It's like, well, do you really? Like, right. Is that, is that true? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Or if you like never talk to them or mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah. don't notice anything about their lives and their boyfriends and girlfriends and troubles at school and all of that. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. That's kind of a, um, well, I don't know how to say this eloquently because it's just occurring to me. If it's like you have some model of yourself that you have in your mm-hmm. mind, I am this way. Mm-hmm. I value these things. I'm a good person because of that set of values. Mm. And it might be the case that none of that's true. (laughs) Yeah, totally. And you might not want to evaluate whether it's true Mm. because if it's not true, then your model of yourself has to die. Yeah. And then what, who are you? You don't know. Now you have to find out. You have to actually look. And that's a death and rebirth Mm -hmm. and no one wants to die. So maybe the path toward truly living is small, frequent deaths, Hmm. making decisions as you go, rather than building up a model and not questioning it and then having to deal with it all at once. Hmm. As you notice things about yourself that aren't true Values that you don't actually have killing those one at a time. That's how to live a life. That's true. And to become a person that's true to become a true person. Mm. So
1: true. (laughs) It's almost a little bit scary because you don't know what you're fooling yourself. What kind of castle that you've built to rep to, to simulate what you think who you think you are, but you have to look at how you act in the world to really see mm. if that is true. Yeah. And <clears throat> like, I, I I'm, it's very obvious to me that I want to believe certain things about myself. Yeah. <laughs> this is probably one of those podcasts.
0: I'll go back and let's do like, damn it. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I've said this to you before Mm -hmm. or on the podcast before, but I have run this thought experiment that (laughs) what if you took essentially a, um, I don't know if it's the right way to say it, that, that you took like a selfish position towards what you did in life. But it's more like, what if I woke up every morning and only did what I truly wanted to do? Mm. So if I woke up and I thought, I don't want to go to work today. And so I don't go. And then I have to be honest about it too. So they ask me why I'm not there and I have to say what I have to say. I don't know. I, look, I'm sorry. I know I'm putting y'all in a tough position, but I can't be there today. You know, maybe that's all I say. I don't know, but it's hard for me to imagine it very many steps down the road. But if you were to only do what you truly wanted to do and you were honest about it, would your life fall apart immediately or would it start getting exponentially better? And I think those are the only two options. Like Mm -hmm. your life would start getting better or it would fall off the rails. And that's a terrifying proposition because we all want our life to get exponentially better. We all love stories. I watched the other night, the movie chef. Have you seen that with John Favreau? I think so. Yeah. And, um, John Leguizamo, like the Cuban sandwich sandwich food truck. It's Uh a great movie. Mm -hmm. And it's, it was so moving and at points, I just was tearing up and I was thinking, this is the story. It's like a man, who thought he was great and had hope that he was great. And even some evidence that he might be great. And then everything falls apart and he loses his job and he loses his wife and he loses his son and he loses everything. But then he rediscovers himself doing something that he never would have, would have, he do, he wouldn't bow low enough to open a food truck because he was a real chef who worked in a real restaurant. Right. Mm -hmm. But he rediscovers himself and opens this truck. And what happens? He is happy. And establishes a relationship with his son, and people start lining up down the street and to eat the food. And it's like, that's what we want. Hmm. Like, if we were to be honest about what we wanted and actually do it, and then that was successful, that's what we long for, I think. And the proposition that, well, for that to happen, you actually have to know what you want and go do it. Mm-hmm. And there's a risk that everything might totally fall apart. And it's much safer to say, well, I'm going to do all these things that I don't want to do, that I actually really dislike doing, Hmm. because there's stability and security in it. And I I am not saying that one of those is better than the other. Well, I am saying that (laughs) there is a time and a place for doing things that you don't want to do to achieve security and stability however to the extent that those are outside of the the nest of some grander vision they're holding you back
1: it's interesting so let me let me kind of play with what you're saying here. When I, when I hear you saying this is like, if you do what you want to do, it's the more dangerous route because in that you will learn faster. What is, what is actually something you don't, you, you don't want to do. It, It actually will, um, like the reality of
0: it will snap back faster if you only act on what you want to do. Well, I think what I'm trying to say is if you only do what you want to do mm-hmm. and that causes your life to fall apart, mm-hmm. that's not just a condemnation of circumstance or, or ideas or edu- ed- execution. It's also a condemnation of your own desires. desires. Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. And if you find out that your desires are shit, <laughs> totally right. Mm-hmm. Your are des- just, what you want is making everything worse. Yeah. Uh huh. Can you look at that? <laughs> uh-huh. Oh shit. I need to want different things. How do you do that? You can't want different things. Yeah. I mean, you can, I think you can, but that's going to take some serious looking at yourself. It's mm-hmm. like, it's like the idea of that you can hold values or you, you can think you have values or say that you have values that you don't actually have. Mm-hmm. And you yeah. have to look at that again, death to yeah. look at that as death. Just like the idea that if I go do everything that I want to do and everything gets shittier, well, I've got to die. Mm -hmm. And some new part of me or new version of me has to be born. And that's a horrifying prospect. Well, they say that's what makes
1: really great CEOs, is they make decisions. They might not be the best decisions, but they make a decision, and if it doesn't work, they change. They shift.
0: I mean... (sighs) This is... This is one of the simplest ideas. It's almost like... Pulling back the curtain on The Wizard of Oz. Hmm. The people that make things happen are the people who open their mouth and say something. Act in the world. Anything. Mm -hmm. Like the number of... Meetings that I've been in with 20 people sitting around a table with millions of dollars at stake 19 of those people will not open their mouth and say anything other to other than to kiss ass or ingratiate themselves when mm-hmm. it comes time to make a decision which is where the risk is everyone's quiet except for one person mm-hmm. and that one person is usually you <laughs> <laughs> sometimes it is and but the people who rise in organizations are the ones who are willing to open their mouth and say something that doesn't mean that they have the best idea. Mm -hmm. Almost certainly they don't have the best idea. Mm -hmm. The best idea is usually in the head of someone who's too afraid to say anything about it. But the people who make moves are the ones who just simply say, here's what we're going to do. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times those people are going to be wrong. And so the other component of that is that they have to have the humility to later say I was wrong. Mm -hmm. Here's the new plan. Yeah. You know, and make another decision mm-hmm. but but simply speaking and deciding are the i think the two most powerful tools in life that you can enact well, it seems like it's the it's the first step because it, again,
1: the next step is 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 making a plan
0: right well of and o- oftentimes sort of the the managing directors or C-suite types, mm-hmm. they're not making the plan. Mm-hmm. It's like, we're going to go, they say, we're going to go to this direction mm-hmm. and then it's up to the team to make the plan. Mm-hmm. Okay. Here's how we're going to accomplish it. Yeah. You know, we have our orders. We'll execute them. Mm-hmm. And here's how we're going to execute them. And that, that works out quite well, I think, because it's almost too much. If you're leading an organization to like, I'm going to make the decision and lay out the plan step by step. Yeah. True. You know, Mm-hmm. Things would get really bad. And that's just straight tyranny. Like Mm -hmm. you need, you need the collaboration. It's the decision making that's hard. It's the decision making that most people aren't willing to do. Mm. Yeah. Because then that comes with responsibility and (laughs) planning is anyone's willing to do that. It's like, well, you told me to do this. Yeah. Whether, I mean, if it fails, yeah, maybe it was a bad idea. (laughs) (laughs) Totally.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely, there's, there's something to the execution and, you know, in deciding, but there's also, a, uh, you have to be able to kind of steer it and make sure it's in the direction that you're wanting, uh, you're wanting it to go. Hmm. This is super fascinating though. I don't know where we where, where we've gone on this and I'm kind I, of, uh, yeah, I I've, think I've it, liked what we've talked about, but, um, I feel like I've kind of raised more questions in my head than (laughs) maybe
0: like, well, the, the, the terror of figuring out who you truly are. (coughs) That's Mm a part of it. Yeah. If you look at yourself and find yourself to be false, you have to die. Mm the death of decision-making, which is why that's so hard and most people aren't willing to do it, the necessary cycle of divergence and convergence, Mm. generating choices that you... uh, uh, generating a set of things from which you could choose, but then the act of choosing, Mm -hmm. allowing things to die and allowing things to resurrect, and the importance of... Well, essentially, hypothesizing a value and then setting out to see if it's true, Mm -hmm. which means to do something about it. It might mean, like you're doing, to schedule time and actually go spend the time the way that you say that you're going to do it Mm -hmm. and see what happens. And being disciplined about that, even when you don't want to do it, even when it's hard, even when it seems unproductive, and then evaluating at some regular interval has this been positive or negative? Mm. What did I learn about myself? What's true about me? Do I have the right set of values Mm. Are the values that I profess even values that I hold? Cause you might, you know, to, to, to my airplane analogy, maybe I say that's what I want, but maybe I actually go out and start pursuing it. And I discover that I really like I wake up, three months in and I think every time I've gone to take a step to pursue this, I've been wrestling with myself and not wanting to do it and forcing myself to do it. And maybe I have to admit, I thought I wanted this, but I don't think that I do Hmm. because every time I interact with it, it seems to be negative with that particular analogy. I know that's not true because I've been fascinated with, aviation since I was a kid and spent many, many hours building remote control airplanes. Mm -hmm. So I I know that that's not true of me, but that could be true of something else. It could be true um, of a business, for example. It's Mm -hmm. like, well, here's this business idea. This would be really awesome. I really want to go do this and work on it. But then every step of the way feels like, Feel like there's some colloquialism for this, but you, you well, know. I definitely have an example of that. <laughs> what's so, yours. Well, I don't want to talk about that
1: part, oh. <laughs> <laughs> but I totally understand that idea of like, there's something that is an amazing idea and fantastic. But every time you go to move it forward, it, it feels bad. It feels bad. But you know, like I know this idea is, is super fantastic and amazing and will right. Somebody's going to probably make millions and millions of dollars off of it. But I just can't get to it. I can't get to it. And so part of me is like, well, maybe that just has to die because that's not something I need to be focusing on right now.
0: Or maybe it's not yours. Yeah. And, and it doesn't have to die, but maybe it needs to be given mm-hmm. to someone else. I mean, that's another concept that really has my attention lately is that ideas aren't yours you get sometimes gifted with one Mm -hmm. that jives with you and you get to go have fun with it. Yeah. You know, sometimes you have one, but it, for some reason it came to you, but it's not yours. Mm. You know, it's the same way with art. It's the same way with songs. There's plenty of songs that were written by very famous people, but the songs weren't popular until someone else covered them. Mm. The song wasn't theirs. It Mm. might've entered the world through them, but Mm -hmm. it didn't belong to them. And I think that there has to be some, you have to take a a bit of humility with things like that and say, well, I thought this was a good idea, but it's not working. That doesn't mean it was a bad idea. It Mm -hmm. just means maybe, or maybe it was, you know, you (laughs) kind of have to evaluate that, but it's also possible that it just wasn't your idea. Mm. Not to say that you didn't come up with it or originate it, but it, 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 you weren't the proper owner of it. Yeah. I feel like I've had I've like three or four examples. Yeah. It's like, well, they think that's awesome. Though. <laughs> yeah. I mean, maybe I think of um, ideas. Like I think of songs. They're like, <clears throat> they're put under my care. Hmm. And sometimes Sometimes the onus of care is that they need to be shepherded and and worked on. Sometimes they need to be protected. Sometimes they need to be shared and sometimes they need to be given away. Mm. Yeah. Because we aren't gods. There's, there's things bigger than us. Mm. Sometimes those things are ideas. Sometimes those things are songs. Sometimes those things are actual gods. You have to have some humility. <clears throat> and I think that that's a really good thing to do. And I think, you know, there's a, like a fundamental, <clears throat> like I was saying, of a, if you knew someone who was honest about what they wanted, which means that they dispensed with all these things they say that they want, but they don't actually want them because They're not doing anything about it. You would say that that person is true. Um, of a person who understands their capacity and their competence and their capability, hmm. who has good ideas and recognizes them as good ideas, but also says, I can't shepherd this. Oh God. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm not going to let it die either. I'm going to find the right people Mm -hmm. to to shepherd this. You would have a similar thing. You would say, that's a good person. Mm. I have, that's an honorable person. I have respect for this person Mm. because they're self-aware and also aware of their relationship to what is good because we all can't be the person who makes every idea, every good idea come into fruition. Mm. And anyone who makes a good idea come into fruition can't do it alone. Totally. they need people who will help shepherd it, mm-hmm. help guide it. And sometimes your job when guiding something is to say it needs to go that way and I'm going this way. So go, mm-hmm. which is a, a, a gift, a, yeah. gi- a giving up. I mean, those are the same things, right? A gift and a giving up. If I gift you something, I'm also giving it up.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause it was mine. I purchased it, but I'm giving it to you. Mm hmm. That's good.
0: Yeah. Sound right. like, you sound like you had, a, you
1: had another thing.
0: Well, I was just thinking about, we typically, we typically think of gifts as, um, things that we purchase and immediately give, mm-hmm. but the much more meaningful gifts are the things someone has and says, I would like you to have this now. Hmm. You know, oh yeah. Like a father's watch. Or right. Something like exactly. That. Yeah. that was the same. Exam- the example yeah. I was thinking of too, but yeah,
1: a family, heirloom. My leather jacket is, what is probably one of that my kids will mm. t- yeah. <laughs> fight over. <Right.
0: laughs> um, that's a very meaningful gift mm-hmm. because that's, it isn't something that has value because you purchased it with money. It's back to the idea of a collection versus mm-hmm. a hoard. Like it's something that you, you did purchase with money mm-hmm. probably, but then that you cared for Hmm. and the, the increase in value of that gift is that not that you spent the money on it, but that you spent the time on it, Hmm. the care and the love that thing is infinitely valuable. That's a gift. Yeah. I like that. Yeah.
1: All right, cool. We'll leave it there. Let's do it. Okay. Yeah. Thanks guys. Thanks for coming to shores.
0: Cheers. Cheers. Love you all. Bye.